What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antler Up Podcast. 82 we're on right now. On today's episode, I'm joined by Troy Dietrich of Dietrich's Outfitters. And Troy is located in Southeast PA. And I was really looking forward to recording this one because we had a fun conversation about his Western hunt where he and his wife shot two mule deer with their bow at the same time. We talked about his mobile setup for this upcoming season, his approach to how he hunts PA, and the big one, self-filming. We sure hope you enjoy this one, and if you do, make sure you follow his channel and Instagram at Dietrich's Outfitters. Really cool dude, right here in Pennsylvania. Enjoyed this conversation. Check it out. Antler up. And before we get into this episode, I want to share with you a few discount codes that will help you save some money and get ready for the upcoming hunting season. The Elk Collective is the virtual elk hunting resource with tons of videos and information to get you ready to chase elk and use the code PODCAST and save $30 today at the elkcollective.com. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based product that saves the hunter time going out scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. Now, new things are on the horizon, so use code ANTLERUP to save 25% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. And another quick thing, I want to thank our partners over at Tethered Nation, and we'll be hosting another Tethered Teach and Trade Tour event August 22nd right here in Central PA at West Branch Sportsman's Club from 2 o'clock to 6 p.m. This time frame is, of the event is free, so go ahead and sign up over at tethernation.com. Before that event, though, starting at 9 o'clock, I believe, until I think 12.30, you could come spend 10 bucks, shoot a 3D course 25 targets. It's a heck of a lot of fun. It's the one that we do a lot when they host it. Do a great, good job of that. So make sure you sign up over on tethernation.com. What's up, everybody? Back for another episode. We got Troy from Dietrich's Outfitters. Troy, what's happening, man? I hope I pronounced that right. Did I get it right? Yeah, that's right, man. Close. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Close yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, my last name is uh, Dietrich, but it's spelled in a crazy way. So that's why I kind of shortened it with that DTRX, yeah. uh, just to sum it up. So Dietrichs, yep. Yeah. Dude, that's man, it. sweet. Well, you and I have a funny history, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where do we, we go way back? So wh <laughs> what's our uh, what's our connection? Let let everybody know what what the deal is. Shoot, man. Um, I guess. I think I ended up buying two things off you from uh, either, I guess, I guess probably from saddle, saddle on our classified. Is there something like that? Yeah. Um, I guess what was the first thing? A GoPro maybe? A, GoPro a, 7? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, it was my GoPro 7, which uh, was like brand new. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I had one that I was running and I wanted a second one for, uh, for just some more B-roll and stuff like that. Yep. Got that. Uh, and the only reason why, too, I sold it, I mean, I told you it was just upgraded to the nine, which is kind of funny because I saw someone, what did I, I ended up selling my Predator platform that I bought, the yeah. my original small one, and, or no, it was with Kafaru, it was Kafaru. Uh, well, you bought my Predator platform, but then yeah. you saw on one of my listings when I sold mm -hmm. my Kafaru Striker, be, yeah. you know, and 
you know, it's funny as someone was like, why are you selling? And <laughs> you were the first person was like, probably because you got the XL <laughs> Yeah, and in which yeah. you were right. So, yeah, yeah. I'm still running that, uh, the regular Kafara. Yeah. Uh, or a regular striker, I should say. It's, uh, I love it. I mean, I, I definitely, I see the, the, you know, I see going to an XL. That would be sweet. Uh, I could see myself doing that someday, but I can make it happen with what I got. So it's, right. it's too much. I don't know. I buy and sell so much stuff. I just got to kind of draw the line sometimes. Yeah. So same here, man. Well, I think what's cool about the XL and i keep, I tell myself now, this is what I would plan on doing. If I, when I go back out West is yeah. I have the camp bag now with it. I have yeah. the XL, so it's big enough to carry certain things in there. And then obviously the camp bag, that's the yeah. only reason why, and the water, you know, uh, slots on that side, just because of carrying a, either a tripod or something else along those lines, if I'm doing some things here, but that was the main only reason, like there was no, it wasn't because I didn't like it or anything like that. It was just because I wanted something where if I go out West again, I wanted a do all bag and yeah. that was it. And obviously use it here on the Eastern side, chasing just whitetail. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have uh well, I still have it actually. It's in my closet here. The, the original 22 mag mm. and that, um, that had those big, tall, whatever you want to call it. Perfect for jamming a tripod and spotting scope in. Yeah. And that's, that's what I had taken out, taken out West. And, um, but it didn't have the, the easy access of the, fold out a uh, meat hauler, I guess. And that's right. where all my saddle stuff goes. I know you do the yeah. same thing. So it's like, it's, I don't think there's a better pack out there than that really for what we're doing. So, no, I agree. Um, so I kind of always figured I'd use that 22 mag if I get back out West again, but I honestly do not even see myself doing that just because I would just do exactly what you, you did. You, yeah. you said you were going to do just get a camp bag and throw that in there. You know, that big pot, you have the bigger pockets on the XL striker, but, but yeah. mine doesn't, but I can make it work easily. So I really um, should just sell that thing, cash in on it. But hell yeah, man, dude, yeah. we, we kind of skipped over some stuff just because, uh, you know, I'm excited. I get a chance to talk to a buddy, but who are you? Where are you coming from? Where are you yeah, from? There, like, just let everybody know, just kind of get the, that side of things taken care of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I'm just I'm just a nobody from uh, Southeast Pennsylvania, so I mean, your listener. I'm I don't know what episode I'll be following, but if it was something like Steve Shirk's episode or something like that, just just have your listener skip over this one, get back <laughs> to that one, learn from that dude. Because I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm definitely uh, a learner and uh, just been getting into this stuff. I mean, I mean, over the last seven years or so. But um, my name's Troy Dietrich. I'm from Southeast Pennsylvania. I uh, I help own and operate my family's uh, company. We do overhead doors and garage doors and stuff like that. Um, but my real passion, honestly, is just uh, hunting and archery. So I got a little at-home archery shop here. I tinker with stuff. Got a couple of customers, but nothing, nothing, you know, remotely commercial whatsoever. Um, and uh, I'm a gearhead, admittedly. You know, I just, I, I'm always buying and selling stuff. But overall, I'm just, uh, just a weekend warrior, like, like, probably half your listeners, man, probably more than half your listeners. If you think about it, probably most people listen to these podcasts are guys that, that are just like me and you that are, I mean, you're a yeah. little bit more into it than me, but no, no, I, here's the, here's the grand scheme of things too. I think is what is going to be pretty cool for me is for this year. And last year I had obviously being a teacher with COVID and being on, you know, we were restricted with remote and sometimes we we're in and all that type of stuff. Obviously this year I'm, 
we are dead red on going back 100%, which is great. I'm super pumped. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to really make my hunts more meaningful this year. I almost felt like last year I was like, oh, I have more time to get out. I'm going to do this and try different things, and which some things worked and some things did not. And I'm excited to learn from that experience and get after it when I can this year. Like there's going to – like I – in years past, I always used to have like last block off and I would I would fulfill my teaching duties and maybe it was 10 minutes early. I could get out of there and yeah. hit the woods that 10 minutes earlier. But this year, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll see how what the how that plays out. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to go. But like you said, weekend warriors, it's going to be hitting that hard. And I kind of told already the misses. I'm like, hey, last year, you know, I, it was one of a kind. But this year now, these weekends are going to be really important to me <laughs> to get yeah. out so it'll be interesting man yeah for sure what yeah what, yeah no i mean i guess you get some uh afternoon hunts in though pretty often with with teaching right yeah so that's going to be the main thing obviously during the week and I, honestly if i might try to because where i live and where i work is is separate uh like i have to drive 25 half hour to to get there sure. so there's some spots where i'm actually going to I've been scouting out a little bit more over there just to give me opportunities. And actually this year there's a spot where it's an archery only hunting ground. Nice. And, uh, I, I hunted that four years ago this yeah. year, actually that spot, they have some planted corn out over wow. there. So I'm going to throw up some trail cameras, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks and, you know, um, how's the pressure there? Do you know at all? Or honestly, man, I don't think the parcel is it? It's, I want to say maybe about like 10, 15, there's like chunks. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's, there's actually some homes nearby that. So I really want to give it a shot just because, I mean, even if I just whack a doe, I mean, that, that will tickle my fantasy big time. You know what I mean? Just to get, just to get a, a cool hunt in and go right after work and you know, whack a doe, that'd be friggin' fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that's, that's, that is like one of my main goals this year is I, I need, I need I want to get like, I would love to get, you know, two deer down like early as possible, you right. know, to get some meat in the freezer, mm -hmm. get that. I just, I feel like last year and years before, I just tend to, I'm really good at making excuses. I'm so, I'm so busy, you know, we're, we're all, everyone's yeah. busy. Yeah. Especially, especially guys like us. So, so it's always like, oh man, I got such a busy week and I got, I don't got time to butcher a doe this weekend. You know, you'll, you'll hammer a nice buck if he comes by, but <laughs> next thing you know, you're like three quarters away through the season and you're like, I still didn't kill anything yet. You know, like yeah. that's, that is one of my main goals this year. I, I do, I'm not, no excuses. I'm shooting, I'm shooting as many, as many critters as I can at first, you know, yeah. um, of course I'm not going to kill a small buck right off the bat, but, but I'm also going to be a little less picky this year too, I think. That brings up a, a good point that I want to talk about, actually, just because I want to hear your point of view. So last year, for me, I had a couple doe encounters earlier on, and I wouldn't say they weren't the nannies. You know what I mean? They're not the the mature old doe that people you know strive for to get and all that type of stuff. And even my, what's funny is the first doe that I shot then last year was was during that, that rut time. And again, it was during that time I had four days off that third, or I think I had yeah, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And it was that Friday evening, Dimitri and I were hunting together and I, they're right at last light, medium sized doe came sweeping through 17 yards. I'm like, let me let put one notch on this 
prime black three. Like, let's go. And perfect shot. Watch her go down in, in 20 yards. He and I just quartered her out and got her out of there. But again, up until that point, I didn't, I passed on at least six shot opportunities on, you know, probably the same size doe. And, yeah. and I just was like, ah, no, 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 no. And, but honestly, kind of like what you said, I'm kind of going into this season. I'm going to try to put as much meat as I can and try, I'm going to try to get as many tags as I can possibly too. Cause I mean, yeah. what's the new, there's a new law too for PA where we could have uh hold more than three at a time. So, I mean, uh, tags or you can yeah. kill more than three. Like, yeah. No more tags. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to try to get as many tags as I can and fill the freezer and have fun shooting things if I can. And I mean, yeah. honestly, you know, 34 years old, been hunting since what, 12 and took some years off because of college. But at the same time, I'm not at that point yet where I'm, I want to, I want to still keep shooting. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same boat, man. Plus, plus around here. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure you're in a different unit that I am. You're like more, yeah, you're definitely way different unit than me, but but I'm in one of those uh, units down in Southeast PA where they issue, I think it's, the, I think it's the most doe tags they issue yeah. per Pennsylvania. It's, it's a, just a stupid amount of doe tags. Now I think there's t- a lot of guys like me that buy two, three tags and then probably only kill one or two doe or whatever it is. So I'm not saying all those deer of course get shot, but right. this, this area is just, just loaded with them. So, I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way to shoot a, you know, yearling, but anything above a yearling, that's, that's great meat for the freezer, man. There's nothing wrong with that. Heck yeah. Well, let's help, let's help some listeners out. Maybe some people don't know. So like example for you, and we have these cutoff dates where we need to put in for our doe tags and all that type of stuff. Uh, and it just seems, it's always so funny when you go on these uh, groups on Facebook and people make it seem like it's the most confusing thing in the world, yeah. but you know, how many times or what do you do to get as, like you said, three to- yeah. doe tags? What, what's, what's your steps to do in that? Yeah, it's funny. My, uh, my grandfather, used, my grandfather's buddy used to say, you need a college education to get a doe tag in <laughs> Pennsylvania. It's, <laughs> it is kind of, a, it is kind of a runaround, man. I mean, I don't know how other states do it, but it's, 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 it's kind of silly. So, um, what was it? The 17th, July 17th was the first round of doe tags for PA. So that means that you are allotted one tag essentially that first round. So what I um, what I always do is we have a, we have a cabin up in Bradford County, so oh, they yeah. issue much less doe tags up there than down here. So my first priority is always to get a doe tag for up there. So I put in a doe tag for up there. If you do it early enough, it's basically guaranteed you'll get it. If you do it too late, you probably won't get it. They sell out pretty quick. Now then second, so you only can get one doe tag at that point. And then second round comes, I don't know, maybe, you know, I forget I think it's when August, uh, second, I believe this year, August 2nd. So I don't know if this is the way the PA game commission likes once, once you to do it, this is the way that I do it. And it works for me is I will, um, I will, uh, my second round tags I'll put in for my unit down where I live because that's where. Uh, most year or most of the doe tags are issued. So you're, you're, you're guaranteed to get them basically. Um, although they have sold out. So, I, I, yeah. you know, that's not totally true either, but what I do is I actually, uh, ask for three doe tags or two doe tags, whatever it is. Sometimes I get one or my wife gets one and I get two or something like that. And I'll just send in one check for an amount of three. And then, and then just kind of put a little side note saying three doe tags for five C, you know, and then, right. and then they usually 
that usually works out for me. Nice. So you're able to get uh, kind of your allotment just on that second second round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this unit for sure. Sweet. If you do it early enough, I know bodies that like do it too late and they and they don't get right. you know they don't, they don't get any. So yeah, I'm excited, man. What uh you you have been posting a lot about your western stuff, which is kind of cool. Are you going out west this year? No, nah, not at all this year. Um, probably the next time I'll go back out west will be 2023. Okay. Uh, me, my brother, and my uh, good buddy are going out for Colorado elk. We're, we're doing 2023 because we're putting in for a certain unit that, that you need about three points to draw. So um, we started that process this year. So hopefully in 2023, we'll, we'll get back out there. Um, this year, um, me and my buddy Travis, you met over at the Tethered event that day. Yep. Um, we're going out to Ohio um, Halloween for oh, a nice. week. Sweet. Uh, and then next year, we don't know what we'll do, but I'm thinking like maybe like West Virginia, Indiana, somewhere, you know, drivable, but but different, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I'll get back out West until 2023, unfortunately. How about you? Uh, not this year. Man, honestly, I really want to do – a total archery challenge next year out West. That's just something Montana. I want to do it. Yeah. I think not honestly seeing the photos and the videos and everything like that. People are posting from this past year. It looks great, but that's something that I always wanted to do was go out there and experience like one of those Western ones. Like PA is great. It's fun, but, but like, I want to go experience, like I want to almost take a family vacation and while i'm there let's shoot you know you know what i mean i'm right there with you i literally have the same conversation with my wife and that's <laughs> so i kind of said to her i our anniversary was just yesterday around the 21st so i kind of i'm like hey our anniversary is around that time next year's 10 years like it'd be kind of cool if we could do like obviously yeah, your, your treat How yeah you well because i was saying i'm like what if you know we really hammer down and start saving and i don't go out west next year like originally i wanted to try to do an over-the-counter like do something along those lines maybe maybe we could do montana because it's before our anniversary and then after our anniversary like or on it what let's go take like a weekend trip to the beach somewhere like go down like fly down to florida like dude i know she wants something like that so i think if we could swing something like that somehow some way some miracle it could happen yeah. So, so that would be, um, 20, 2022 you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I would love to do that. So I don't know. I, I, I don't Does know. She shoot at all? She does not. I wish she would. I have always kind of encouraged her to kind of do that, but she has no really big interest in it. Hopefully maybe now that my daughter's going to be like, she's shooting her bow and she, she, she has her license for this year. So she's going to be coming out with me and my dad. I don't know. Maybe it will light some type of like, fire under her butt i have no yeah. idea yeah for sure dude but she's all into like she's all into that what is it called uh yellowstone show and all that type of stuff so i'm like yeah. you could see all that kind of <laughs> scenery out there yeah i'm like you could see all that scenery we could go out there and do all that type of stuff it'll be like you're on the show there you go yeah has <laughs> she ever been out to montana or anything no no she hasn't so i i think and that's what honestly man when i went out west to to utah last year we have friends now that live out there that have lived out there now for the last i think three years will be four coming up and i just i'm like telling you it is beautiful there's nothing like it and uh, it, I, I said i'd move out there in a heartbeat i know i know i actually i actually kind of kind of 
side story or whatever. But when I graduated in high school, like I, me and my buddy, I was like, we're getting out of PA. We packed up our stuff and this was our plan. It wasn't like we were like running away. It was like, we had it planned out for that whole year. I graduated. He was already graduated. We jumped in my pickup truck and just drove out West. We were just, we were literally, we were just going to become cowboys out West. Yeah. So we went, we went out and that, we worked on a ranch in Montana for a while. And, and we were out there for like four or five months or so. But, um, and it was, outstanding dude i mean i love it i still have like there's like a special place in my heart for out west for sure but no family no friends out there it's like i don't know if i could take this whole life and just move it out there i would do it in a heartbeat you yeah, know but yeah. i got too many connections back here i know it's so tough that's why I'm, I'm like i would leave i'm like if anybody have any of these companies offer me like a full-time job where i would love it i'm like i'm out we'll figure out our yeah. housing <laughs> our living situation but i'm like i'm out see ya Oh man, dude. So talk about your, your hunt though, because it's an awesome story, uh, with you and your wife that you both had success on with some mule deer. It was crazy, man. I mean, honestly, it was a lot of luck, but, um, but we, we, we gave it our all for sure. So back in 2000, it was back in 2019. I, I just kind of went back into dabbling with some like movie edits and stuff like that, just mm-hmm. cause, uh, I don't know. It's just awesome to relive those memories really. So, um, that's why I saw a couple of posts on that. And then I was flipping through some albums and I saw some cool pictures. I was like, oh, I got to post these. But, um, so yeah, in September, uh, 2019, we went out there, me and my wife, uh, archery hunting, uh, Southeast Montana. So it's like, um, it's kind of like prairie country out there. It's not like big sky Montana or it's not like, um, you know, out where to do total archery challenge. It's right. nothing like that. Um, your tag was good for whitetail and, and mule deer. And I also picked up an antelope tag too, for another 250 bucks, you can pick up a, uh, archery antelope tag. So that, that was awesome, dude. I would love to do that again. That was, I didn't kill an antelope, but just like in between hunting deer, you'd be driving on the road, there'd just be herds of antelope. It's yeah. like, all right, let's see if we can make a play on these <laughs> things. It was so much fun. And honestly, I think if I had more time, I could have made it happen. But, um, so anyway, we went out there hunting mule deer and whitetail and, um, when I first started planning the trip, I wanted to just kill a hammer whitetail out there. Like I didn't really have that much interest in mule deer, but towards like the end of prepping for the trip, some reason I was like, man, I want to kill mule deer. So, but I would definitely either, I would have been happy with both. Right. Um, so just did a ton of e-scouting and, um, where I lived out there is kind of where I went back to. So I knew the area slightly, but I didn't even remotely, I wasn't, I was a hunter then, but I didn't care too much about that. So I wasn't like looking at stuff like, oh, that'd be great hunting and stuff like that. Most of the property out there that is like river property is all leased out by outfitters anyway. Okay. So whitetail hunting is real hard, but there is like, um, Montana has block management, um, which is private land that you have to get permission on to hunt it. And there's just, I mean, you know, 20,000 acre ranches that are block management. They must, the, uh, the landowner must get some kickback, you know, from, from the state to allow hunters to, to hunt on them. So it's essentially public land. You're, you're, you're still going against that competition. You don't have to pay anything to hunt there. You just have to basically call the landowner up and tell them what days you'll be hunting and then get a little slip for your windshield kind of a thing. So that's where we actually ended up killing our deer was on, on some block management. But, um, I mean, coming from the East, big hunter back here, going out there, I mean, not knowing how to, uh, mule deer hunt, just, just got my feet wet really with like rock slide, dude. There's some good people on rock slide. They, they really helped me out a lot. I, I learned a lot about mule deer hunting there. That's, that's a forum for anyone that doesn't know rock, rock slide. 
um, almost all about Western hunting. But anyhow, we went out there. We struggled, man. The first like day, we saw some deer off the road. Uh, I let my wife make a stalk on them, but just didn't even get close at all. Just two small bucks. Then pretty much for the four days after that, we didn't see anything. We hunted every day, all day, you know. Right. And um, when we did see animals or critters or mule deer in this case, they were always they were always so far away, and they always saw me before I saw them. So it was like there would be no. As soon as you would see them moving, they were moving away from you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like half a mile away. Well, what's hard too, if you explain that, is how you said it's mainly prairie land. So you didn't really have an an opportunity to get higher elevation on them to, you know, kind of glass them in per se. Yeah, you could get up on these hills and stuff and glass them, but there's, you know, between here and the next hill, um, there's just all these nooks and crannies, and they would be down in there eating stuff, and yeah. and all of a sudden one would just appear. And you could watch it and then it would just disappear and, and it would never come back up. And it's like, did it go down there to bed? Where's it going? It was just, it was so hard. And, and, uh, they are so camouflaged. Like I, I, I pride myself on being able to see a whitetail deer, like driving down the road. It's like, well, there's one like yeah. way out, like in, in the trees yeah. and the street, you know, <laughs> yep. but, uh, but out there, dude, they blend in so much. It's crazy. If they're moving, you can spot them, but if they're still oh, so tough. So, um, so the fifth day I finally did get an opportunity on one. That was that recent video I posted. I actually stalked a stalked down 25 yards of this thing and, uh, had cell phone footage of its head just turning in the, in the sagebrush and, uh, stood up 25 yards. Just, I mean, it was just perfect, man. I had, I had my tripod and my camcorder running up on top of this butte that I was spot, uh, blasting from recording the whole thing. I mean, it was way zoomed out. So it's like not outstanding footage, but, uh, and I hit the thing high, never found my arrow, never found any blood. We grid searched for like four miles, just like gridded this. It was just like a sage blast brush flat. So we gridded and gridded and gridded. And it's just like, it, it, it sucked, man. It was like, it was like a heartbreak. You know, it was a, such a bummer. So that was the Saturday, the fifth day in. And we had the next four days, super hard didn't see anything. We moved over to this block management unit that had some river bottom property and, and um, really we're going to go after whitetails. And uh, the first night down there, we went down, set up our tree stands. I brought tree stands along even. And uh, it was so freaking hot. It was probably like 90 degrees. It was so hot and it was so buggy. My wife was like going to rip my head off or sitting in the tree stand. She's just like, she hates getting, she gets eaten alive anytime we're out anywhere. I feel like. <laughs> But, um, so we finally climbed down from there. And then a side note, the, the landowner that we asked for, you know, to hunt his land, he was all cool with it. And I think he thought that we would just be mule deer hunting. And he was like, so where are you guys going to be? And I was like, oh, we're going to go down to down by the river whitetail. And he's like, oh, don't shoot my big one. You know, cause he's a hunter too. He had all kinds of racks in his trailer. Like, yeah, you know, just, I think they just do it from some kickback money, but, uh, He's like, oh, don't shoot my big whitetail. So, like, I, I think, I mean, I've seen the racks in this house. There's some good whitetails taken there, too. But um, nevertheless, we went went driving through this road of his property. And, and out there, I mean, for any Easterners that's ever been out there, I mean, you can drive miles on one dude's ranch, you know, just driving and driving up this little two tracks, you know. And we're driving up this two track, and there's a, just a big canyon, like, uh, basin to the left of us, I guess I would call it. And, um, we see these deer coming out of this basin, going up to this flat and the whole, the, the whole flat part of this, uh, 
top was uh, huge alfalfa fields. I mean, probably a thousand acres of alfalfa fields after a thousand acres, after a thousand acres, just monstrous alfalfa fields. So we've seen these deer going up there, uh, a bachelor group of buck and a couple of them were nice. Actually the nicest, probably nicest ones we've seen the whole trip. And, um, so we're like, all right, it was right before dark. We came down from a white town tree stands cause it was too hot. And my wife was just getting eaten alive. So like, all right, let's get out of here. So we're like, all right, well, if they're going up to that alfalfa field to feed at night and, uh, going down in that draws during the day to hide, obviously there's no cover up, up in the alfalfa fields. Let's get here early and let's, let's try to cut them off between the alfalfa fields and going back to their beds. So, so that's what we did the next morning. And when we got up and, and walking in and, and I don't know how to explain this without visuals or whatever, but say the football, you know, or say, say that alfalfa field is just this, you know, yeah, I don't know, just a gigantic thousand acre alfalfa field. We figured the deer were going to be at the far end, close to the Canyon. And when we came in on them that morning, right at sunup, they were all the way down, like almost where we parked the truck off the road. Like they were close to the road, not the Canyon. So that morning we spooked them out of there. So it was like, it was awesome because it was like, all right, we're on to them. Our yeah. plan's working. Like what we just came up with was, was a good idea, you right. know? Right. So that afternoon we sat up in that alpha field, alpha field and just a wicked storm came. So we got rained out. So the next morning we tried the same thing, but we kind of just did a little bit different approach. I didn't see anything all morning and, and, um, uh, all morning, meaning the first couple hours of light. Um, some of I did see stuff, but it was like miles away. I was spotting it, you know, and I put my wife further, I don't know, halfway up the field and I was down towards the Canyon more and, and, um, and we didn't have cell service. So she couldn't get a hold of me. She, she saw some dough at the corner of the field. So she actually, started stalking up towards them. Just, I think just more or less just to see if there's any more deer up there. Um, she gets pinned by this doe, like at like, I don't know, she would go tell better, maybe 60 yards or something like that. Okay. And she, at this point she's already like still all on her hands and knees stalking. Um, she gets pinned by this doe and is just like on all fours, just, just not, not moving at all, you know? And then eventually, picks her head up and then there's this nice buck standing there like 30 yards. And she's like, Holy crap. Like, like where did this thing come from? And then she literally, she'll tell us her, she's like, I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll try to shoot this. Like this sounds, this sounds going to go down. Like I have no other play to make right now. So she draws back and she shoots it. And I don't know if she, well, actually I know what happened. She had her like winter gloves on. Cause obviously she just gets cold a little easier yeah. and she could not get her thick winter glove off without like, she, she just was struggling with it. So she took the shot with her thick winter glove. And, and I think she her grip on her bow was just all cattywampus. Anyway, it hits this deer in the like rump air. She'd kill me if she heard me telling this story. She like hates when I tell people this part of the story. She's like, Oh man. But um, hits this thing. She shoots like a forty-five pound Matthews. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this is even before the heavy arrow craze. So it's not like we had like awesome heavy arrows that were shooting at things and stuff like that. Thing runs over down into the basin, and then it, it was with that bachelor group of buck again. She couldn't find me because we were separated from and didn't have service. So she, we finally met up, and she's like, "I hit one." She's like, "I hit it like right in the butt, like right in a haunch. Like there's no like." Like if you had an artery, maybe, but like at that, that you're, you know, so it's like, all right, 
all all week long we've been just like spotting deer and losing deer like way down in the canyons and stuff like that so i'm like all right let's just go to the edge where you saw run over last she, she actually found the tracks where they ran over the edge which was a miracle in itself we're sitting up there um glassing and and like probably i don't know it felt like 15 minutes maybe it was an hour later we spot the group of bachelor bucks it was just insane it was like holy crap there they are like the one that she hit is like just grazing, walking around with all the other, like just, just 100% fine. You could see a little tough of hair on its butt, like not even gimping at all. Yeah. Like, all right, let's, let's, let's just keep an eye on them. Let's hope we don't lose them down in one of these little nooks and crannies. Um, so we, so we watched them bed and with mule deer, you probably know you went out, out uh, to Utah hunting them, but you, you usually kind of wait for the second bed. Once they bed in the morning, they'll, They'll sit there until they get too hot. Then they'll get up and they, they, sometimes they'll move 50 yards, sometimes hundred, sometimes five feet over to some shade. So, all right, let's be patient. Let's wait, wait from the bed, you know, and they, uh, watch the bed once, watch the bed twice. And we're like, all right, let's do it. And so we, we went down there, left all our stuff at the top, went down there, stalked down to them. And, and again, there's just all these little crannies. So you almost, you, 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 you think, you know, which one's which, but like so the whole time, it's like, you're slightly second guessing yourself. So nevertheless, we stalk up to these things and, and they're down in this, I don't know, it's a drainage is what it is, maybe like a 20 foot drainage they're actually down bedded in. And we walked up and and I was in all this thick grass where I couldn't get a shot. So I had to like weirdly move around. I don't know, it's probably, anyone that's listening to this and it's getting bored, just go back and watch the, the short video I made of it. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> My wife sneaks up uh, above them and uh, we tried throwing some rocks to get them up and we're second guessing ourselves because nothing's happening. So my wife's shadow peers over the um, the drainage there, and they were they were right under her. I mean, right five feet under where she was standing. So she's like trying to tell me that her shadow's overcasting down there, and right as she's doing that, they just spring out, and and three deer bust out. One one splits between us. That was the one that she hit earlier in the day. We both like kind of we both draw back. We both try to like we both kind of aim for that, but then we're aiming at each other almost like just in, a, in each other's direction. So we immediately went back to the other deer. The one was right in front of her and the one was like 40 yards away from me. Um, the thing, the thing ran out, uh, 40 yards, just stopped. It gave this perfect opening. I just let one rip and just, just freaking pinwheeled it. I mean, just a hard shot right past her. Like, I mean, just you couldn't ask for anything better. The thing ran like 60 yards and I could just, before it went around the hill, I could just see it getting all like yep, wobbly. Know, wobbly and uh, literally not even, I mean, we went back on the video cause I have GoPro footage of it. it's kind of crappy, but it's like a split second after I fire, my wife was already aimed at her deer and she fired. So it was just like, bam, bam, we shot both of the back on one stalk. It was just, it was outrageous, man. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations on that. It's just such a cool story. And it's fascinating to hear about the preservation that you guys had. You know what I mean? You you guys pushed through all the ups and downs. You stuck to it. And, and to have, I mean, I give you a ton of credit just because you have your wife out there doing that. You know what I mean? Like I could yeah. only, like you were saying earlier, talking about like my wife and I, we would have probably came back like divorced by that point you know like <laughs> like this is, this is day 11 it was yeah like 11th day or whatever yeah it was uh it was something else man we lived in the back of the truck too and uh we we stayed in hotels like well not really hotels like a little motel 
in town. I think I think four four nights we did that just to get cleaned up and to yeah. give her a break and stuff like that. Good, but um, but yeah, she's a trooper, man. It's she's she's a, she's a killer. It's that's, crazy. That's awesome. She's, she's like into hunting because I'm into hunting, but like she could kind of take it or leave it, honestly. But she she's she has crazy success. She's got good luck, dude. That's yeah. awesome. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation highlight. Hey everybody, AJ from Knights of the Apex here with this episode's tip. Make sure as you're getting those reps in, preparing for the season, that you're routinely checking your axle to axle, your brace height, and your pulling weight. When you're putting a lot of reps in, especially as the seasons change and the temperatures change, you want to make sure that you're not getting any cable stretch and lost poundage. So keep that accuracy nice and tight, and good luck this season. Keep sending it. Well, one of the things that I did want to talk to you about is... In- you came on and did one of our vortex nation highlights and you were talking about like getting familiar with your gear and i found that right now it is critical and a very very important aspect to do actually today actually before we got on i was i meant to i've been meaning to change out i have that doyle hoist rope uh you know thing of a majig on my saddle and i bought one the genesis 3d kind of hook for just to kind of minimize you know the sag and all this type of stuff uh on my saddle and i put that on there and just other little things that i wanted to get prepared and you know you like to chip away at at things that way when time comes you're you're ready to rock and roll and for me i always once August rolls around. That's when I start getting up in the saddle and really doing a lot of pretty much then every time I shoot my bow, I try to make it either first thing in the morning in the saddle or in the evening shooting a saddle. And actually tonight would have been a perfect evening just because it's a little bit cooler. Um, but why, why do you see that significance? And like, has that something that you've always been doing and talk about, you know, why would you encourage someone to, Hey, like right now start doing, like what you said, you said, like getting familiar with you, what you're set up and doing all that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I mean, I feel like, I feel like if you don't do it, 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 it takes you like a good half of the season to, of course, depending on how much you're hunting. Right. But especially for us weekend warriors where we're only hunting a couple times a week or whatever. I mean, it can take half a season until you're like, really fluid with your process, you know, and I'm just trying to minimize that completely. You know, the, the, by the end of the season, you can, you can do the stuff with your eyes closed, but like the first like five you know sets you go do, you're like, you're stumbling around, you're clanking crap. And you're just like, what, one major reason is how many times you, are you climbing out in the woods and like, you're like, gosh, dang, I got, I got to put some uh, hockey tape on this. I got to put some stealth strip on this, but then you don't, you know what I'm saying? You get yeah. back, it's, you're late. You got to get into your family, you know, and you never do it. And then the next time you're back out, same thing happens again. You're clinking around, you're doing something that you wanted to change. Like just work out all those bugs now, because it's, it's just, if you can get your system down to where you can basically do it with your eyes closed, you're going to be so much more stealthy in the woods. You know, you're going to be able to set up close to bedding, of course. And, um, and I mean, not even we can get into shooting out of it and setting up all that stuff too. But like, I'm just talking about climbing in general. You know, if, if climbing is, is super laborious for you, then you're never going to want to move 75 yards up the, up the hill where the action is, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so yeah it's just it's super important man dude i 
that's the thing I keep kicking myself for last year because I felt really confident in my setup and it was one it was during the run and I actually kind of alluded to the question with Steve when I was like you know what, do you, what would you do when you have this situation he yeah what, would you have gotten down and moved closer and man I at that point in time too of this season like like you said I was getting up there pretty quick like when my eyes closed felt confident being quiet had my uh gear together and that was my big thing because last year was my first year out of the saddle so all summer i mean like i said you know now august will roll roll around i'll shoot out of it but last year was before that last year it was in june it was actually starting in march basically like once i got it and i any chance i got i was trying to get up there and change things you know i went through about three different sticks until i finally you know came about on the timber ninjas and that's what i wanted to roll with so now having that year and you know doing the teach and train tour event like i felt pretty good going even doing that in may and that was the first time i picked up my sticks in a while since the season basically but it is man it's really important and i in our first video of last year that was the thing that i was very proud of you know i wanted to pat myself on the back because it was the first day like you said i it wasn't loud i didn't wasn't clanking anything it was smooth And it is really, really important. And I think when anybody that takes the time to really practice what you are going to do and in in anything, man, it it could be an interview. It could be, you know, obviously we're talking hunting, but anything you're going to be a little bit more successful, whether it's going to give you an opportunity on a deer, whether it's going to give you an opportunity to like, we're just saying, get down and move quietly and efficiently and quickly to, to a new spot and put yourself up for a better shot opportunity that night it's, it's really, really helpful. Yeah. And enjoy the process, you know, like, I don't know, I guess there's like, of course, different personalities, but like my personality is like, I like, I like stuff organized. I like, I like, uh, to have a a plan, like the night before I go hunting, like I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, like I used to, even back when I used to use like a hang on and stuff like that, uh, my early like mobile hunting stages, I would literally write down like I would be like thinking or driving and I'd be like writing down in my notes. Um, all right, get to the bottom of the tree, take off pack, take this out of pack. Like I would write that stuff down in my notes because the more, the, the more fluid you are with that whole system, I mean, it's just gonna, you're gonna be quicker and you're gonna be better at it too. You know, yeah. I mean, think about your pack alone. Like, like I have my pack. You, I bet you probably do too. Like you have like your pack, you know where like this stick locks into that stick. You're going to put a gear tie around this. You're going to buckle this in this way. I mean, just that little stuff, figuring out how to pack all that stuff on your pack, like efficiently makes, I mean, just makes it more enjoyable. It sucks when you get down at the end of the night and you're like, just like all pissed off. You can't get your crap back in your bag and stuff. But if you know how to do that now, like it's just, you'll be able to do it again with your eyes closed. Right. You know? Well, you just set a perfect example. If you practice even putting your stuff away, cause we're, we want to get everything set up quietly yeah. and correctly, but man, it could be last light and, and your shooter buck that you want to shoot is, right. you know, out of, out of range and you don't have the, the time anymore left, but you have to get out and you wait until it's pitch dark and you still want to be as quiet as possible getting out there to know how to pack your bag up. <laughs> like, I know it sounds so dumb, but at the same time, it could ruin your hunt. Like that could get them out of there and maybe just know, Hey, that, you know, that's not a normal sound to hear during this time of night. 
Yeah, yeah. Or you get halfway back to the truck and stuff's like falling out of your pack and stuff like that or jingling around. Then you have to adjust it anyway. Like yep. you have it system developed and 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 don't be afraid to like try some stuff out. Like I mean, I, I got I got tighten straps. I got gear ties. I just like I've I, I got it dialed down so so well. I did last year. I'm kind of changing up the game a little bit <laughs> this year with the uh, with the one stick, but um, which should be much easier even to pack. But yeah, but yeah, like just figure that stuff out now, you know? Yep. I, I enjoy figuring that out though. I think other people probably are just like, ah, I'm just going to shoot something. Well, yeah. But. yeah but I mean, but that's the thing. There's that's, it's become more popular. It's be, you know, so there are a lot of people are into that and trying new different things. And I'm the kind of the same way, man. I like, that's why I really was excited for this conversation just because we seem like we're cut from the same cloth, like gear. We just love hunting and, you know, cool, all that type of stuff. But, and talk about, Every uh, it's funny because I saw that your wife posted today about uh, you shooting like you know, my husband six thirty a.m. is climbing trees and practice shooting yeah. <laughs> or whatever you posted. You know, talk yeah. talk about that too. Shooting out of a saddle for people that you know maybe are trying it for the first time and all that type of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just get, get, going back to just being familiar familiar with your stuff. Um, the, and I think one of the reasons this is like so close, uh, so close to my heart right now is because I'm trying to learn this one stick thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the, it's going to be what I stick with, but I'm going to give it a good college try. Um, because there's a lot of things I don't like about it. We could go into details about that, but, um, so I'm, I'm trying to shoot out of, it. it's a much smaller platform than I'm what I'm used to. I use the regular predator. This is much smaller. So, um, you just don't have as much room to kind of swing around and turn those shots. So that's kind of why I've been doing that a lot lately. But I mean, from a saddle, anyone, anyone who doesn't know, you can, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear some real diehards say, Oh, you can shoot 360. You know, you can't, you can't really, unless you're like, I mean, unless your deer's blind and, and deaf and doesn't mind you like swinging <laughs> around the tree like a monkey. So, but you can't shoot much more than a tree stand. And, and, and to be honest with you, I, I can shoot much more stable out of a saddle too. Cause you, you almost have like three points of contact. Um, you got your feet, you got your, your waist. And then, um, I guess, I guess that's it. But when you're standing off a tree stand, you just have your feet, you know, right. You're not, you're not leaning with your harness. So, so anyway, I actually find myself more stable, but like what I've been practicing a lot lately is, is just like steep angle shots. Like today I noticed that, um, I put one of those Bomar nose buttons on my bow recently. And today I was taking a real steep angle shot this morning on, on one of my targets. And, and I noticed that my nose wanted to not fall where that nose button was, you know, and, and, and what that did is it moved my height, my, uh, my sight housing up in my peep, which would have made me shoot high. Um, so it's like, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Find that nose, you know, because when you're shooting on flat ground, you know, you're not taking that into consideration. Your nose is always going right there. But, um, so yeah, those, those steep angle shots. And then also just those hard shots, you know, with a saddle, it's, if you're a right-hand shooter, it's those, it's those left, it's, it's those right-hand shots. If you're looking at the tree and you know, off to the right, those shots are tough. So, so the more you get familiar with that, the better, the better your season will go too. Yeah, I agree too. I feel a lot more stable shooting. That's the one thing that I found kind of as, as the big takeaway positive aspect for it. And honestly, and obviously to the comfort. I mean, I don't know. I found, I guess, I guess I could honestly say I was lucky that the Phantom really molds to me and I don't have any issues with pinch points or anything like that. Uh, and that's just, 
you know, and that's what kind of really made me want to dive into with Tethered. Uh, so that, that's kind of what I found. And just for me, kind of going back tracking about that hunt, like I was saying, to be able to get up and down. Yes, you anybody with a getting mobile, if you are doing with a uh, climber or with a hang on, you become pretty efficient with what you do. I just found this to be the most efficient quickly for me. Cause even, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we're not big dudes, you know what I mean? So trying to like, maybe now, like with that lone wolf custom 0.5, like that, if that's, you know, that's small, you can maneuver that pretty easily. Yeah. But you know, sometimes when you got like nine, 10 pounds out and out in front of you, it's, it's could be sometimes a trouble, you know, to, ma to manage a little bit and do it as quite quickly and quietly as you can. Yeah. Plus, um, plus you could just like move with, I mean, your saddle for me, I rarely put my saddle on my pack. I'm almost always wearing it, but like yep. in an instance like that, where you're only moving a couple hundred yards, of course you're going to keep it on, you know, yeah. all you gotta do. I mean, you, at that point you could carry your platform, you know, you don't yeah. have to pack it back up. You carry your platform, carry your bow, you know, throw your sticks on your back and, and just, and run to the next tree, not run, but get to the next tree and, um, and just start, start the process. So we already halfway unpacked anyway, you know? Right. We'll talk about a little bit about your one stick situation, what you have going on, like some of the things you like and maybe don't like and go from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had the, uh, Shikars, uh, 17 inch Shikars last year. I still have them. Um, super light, um, one thing I liked about using like four sticks or three sticks is, and a saddle is there's pretty much no tree that you're afraid to climb. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can climb up some crooked ones. You can climb up ones with branches, um, moving to a one stick it, leaning trees are much more difficult. Like you'll hear people and you'll watch videos, people climb these telephone pole trees and, Oh, it uses no effort at all to stand out. I think, dude, when you're cleaning those, climbing those leaners <laughs> with a one stick, you're using like a whole lot of core to, to stay afloat and to reach down and grab your stick and stuff like that. Um, first, like six times I did it, I was like, yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know if I, I think I, I think I'm going to sell this thing and just go back to my, my, uh, four, four sticks. But, um, so leaning, leaning trees are definitely hard. Um, having the mini platform on top of the stick is not as great as, uh, having like a predator up there or something like that. Yeah. One thing I'm going to play around with still before, before season is I might just use the one stick to climb and then still use my predator. Um, instead of using the, I have the Monarch, uh, platform. So it's probably like half the size of a predator on top of my one stick. I'll probably just put a double, double step on the top now. And, uh, and use that to climb and then put up my predator and, and I'm going to give that a whirl. The only thing I, that goes against is the fact that I'm just adding weight right back to my setup, you know, like right. I moving from my four shit cars, um, down to a one stick, I saved really only like five pounds, which is a lot, but not a lot. Like, I mean, yeah, if you're going a mile in, how much is five pounds, you know, right. if you if you're going three miles in, okay. Yeah. You might feel that a little bit, but I mean, the packs are wearing, you can carry another five pounds, no problem. So <laughs> the simplicity of packing it though, is nice. I mean, literally just throw it in that, in that striker and that gear or that, um, meat shelf and put one strap around it and then you're done. done. You're ready to go. Yeah. You know, my, my sticks, I got to stack them together, put that Titan strap around, put my predator platform in, strap that in. So it's another couple steps. So that's the appeal for me is just the streamlining of it. 
Um, I'm getting pretty quick at climbing with it. And um, luckily in Pennsylvania, there's generally some good trees around that we can pick from, you know? So um, I think I'm going to just kind of try to pick those straight trees and, and, and rock them. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's sweet because well, one, you can repel down. Um, and two, it's just a lot less gear to pack. Yeah. Sweet, man. Good for you. I, I'd ha- honest, honestly, I really haven't dove into it. And I think that's yeah. a good thing just for the sole fact of knowing how I am. I'd have been like, Oh, you know, <laughs> one stick. Here we go. I always kind of like poo-pooed it. I was like, nah, that just seems like too much work. And then literally I pretty much only bought it out of boredom. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna sell a couple, <laughs> sell, sell a couple uh, pieces of gear here yeah. and I'll try to one stick. That's one nice thing about this hobby, dude. I mean, you can try, like, as long as you're savvy enough on marketplace or the internet or whatever you want to call it, you can try whatever you want. And, and if you get it for a good deal, you, lots of times you can break even when you sell stuff. Um, or, you know, you take a 20, $30 hit here and there and figured some stuff out. Like that's not the end of the, for me, that's not the end of the world. Right. You know, Heck like yeah. I'm not afraid to buy and sell stuff. I'm not, I'm not married to one product, one brand, like I'll, I'll whatever works for you, you know? Yep, exactly. Now it's, it's really important too. You've hit the nail on the head there, whatever works for you. And, and Dimitri's going to try saddle hunting for the first time this year. He's been climber and like, climber, I, yeah. you know, but he's been great with it. And, yeah. you know, and XOP doesn't even make that, you know, climber anymore. So I, I said, hold on to it. Don't sell it. And so I'm excited. Yeah. He's going to really start getting into it right now. And he needs a platform still. So we're trying to get one for him and see which one right. he, you know, see which one he likes and what he's comfortable with and all that type of stuff. So, you Those know, Those climbers, the only thing with a climber, I mean, because again, PA, you can usually find a pretty good tree for a climber. Like, like I got plenty of buddies that use climbers and that are successful too, but hauling that on your back through like mountain laurel and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe that XRP one's uh, smaller than my old summit, but yeah, so noisy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a beast, but that's cool, man. <laughs> what, uh, you know, what would you say, like, what is kind of the, the main terrain that you hunt uh, in your area and kind of like, what is your uh, strategies mainly? Like what, like what is on your perfect setup? What does that day look like in that area? Oh man, giving away my secrets. Um, now, um, I honestly been hunting. I, 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 to give a little background, like the way I grew up hunting was pretty much just up at our cabin. Like we have, we have, uh, 20 acres. So it's not like we have a hundred acre farm or anything like that. So, you know, almost impossible to manage the deer on and stuff like that. Grew up hunting there and just like small 20, 30 private parcels around here that always held pretty good deer deer. But, um, anymore i don't know i mean it's a good thing i, I kind of talk about it in a negative sense but anymore there's so much pressure or all these private land that i hunt like it's like everybody's hunting now like you see yeah. ladder stands in everyone's backyard now <laughs> like 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 everyone their brothers got a crossbow and and uh so to be honest with you the hunting uh, these good private parcels that i had i like have no interest to hunt anymore so i pretty much switched over to public land maybe only probably about two years ago and i've just been loving it because i mean again not to give away the secrets but most most of the time you'll find better quality deer on on this land and uh you don't have you don't have boundaries you know i mean you do but if you go to a decent sized place like if i if back when i was on these private parcels i would i would want to go over there but i couldn't because it was posted you know right. i'm hunting 
50 yards off property lines and stuff like that with this um hunting this big woods that's mostly what i've been hunting the last few years it's just big woods big parcels and and just getting trying to get away from pressure and, and just exploring more than anything you know finding these awesome deer habitats and and uh just just putting into you know practice all the stuff that you know we learn listening to these podcasts and stuff like that like it starts everything starts like lining up like i really could relate to um bill from pertinier uh, uh outdoors you had on you know a few yep. weeks ago or whatever i feel like i, I was like uh, literally i was just yep that's how that's exactly how like it, it's starting to feel you know things are really starting to click you know like all this like due diligence of listening to this stuff reading watching watching videos it's like it's paying off you can spot stuff easier next thing you know you're setting up and, and having some like good caliper deer around you and stuff like that but but honestly just big woods away from pressure find the edge find fresh sign and um and uh you know of course clear cuts you know that's no secret anymore but you know if you could find find some good clear cuts with some good bedding and edge around there water i mean it's all stuff everyone y'all y'all heard on all these other podcasts before you know not telling you anything new but that's what that's what I've been wetting my feet with for the last couple of years. No, nah, that's awesome, man. I think too. I grew up mainly hunting private land, and it was kind of you know my dad saying go here and you, you'll yeah. see deer. And it's finally taken the last five years to understand why maybe deer were moving there and understanding the whole concept of that. You know, it was yeah. just kind of just relying on him to say, hey, you know, here's a good spot. It, you know, it's but why? You know what I mean? And so once you yeah. finally start figuring things out, like you said, when stars to align and you figure things out a little bit, it a light bulb goes off and it's like, Oh, well I could move that information to where I live now. So if I do want to go hunting here, so then that's what it kind of got us going as far as myself hunting with Dimitri more feeling more confident and comfortable and out on my own and doing all that type of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's awesome stuff. And I think, Now's the, like you said, I think a lot of people are hunting and it's, it's good, but it's also yeah. frustrating on that side of things because of, if you did have, you know, like you said, just that private property where you normally would hunt, it's, it's not even feasible. Yeah. Like a couple of things there that you've mentioned that kind of like, uh, sparked something to me. Like you said, you know, your dad would be like, yeah, here's, here's the spot. Here's, here's a good place to hunt kind of thing. And I, I've noticed that on on the properties i grew up grew up hunting on um i don't i don't use my i guess i don't use my brain enough on you know it's like okay and and there's like no like i'm looking around like not really understanding like okay well around there it is hard because it's all like residential and suburban but you don't really have an idea on where deer are going to come in from and stuff like that so you're kind of just like you're just like swing, you're just swinging, you know, and yeah. missing most of the time. But when you get in these big parcels and actually like uh, taking things, it, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is it makes you think and it makes you use all this stuff that you learn. If you go to these same old spots and these private little parcels and stuff like that, lots of times you're not really thinking too hard about it. But when you're on the big woods where you've never been before, I mean, you're just like totally yeah. alert looking for sign and, and just trying to figure out every little milk and cranny that could funnel a deer and stuff like that. You know, one other thing is you, you can't get away from the pressure when you're hunting these small private land, but, but when you're hunting this big, these big parcels, you can get away from that pressure, you know, 
And lots of the people that you're going to find back there are people just like you and I, Mm -hmm. and like, I've literally developed relationships over people that I ran into back there. And like most of the time it's good things. Like, like I've, I've, over the last year I've developed relationships uh, just from running into hunters like that. And they're like, they're usually way cooler than, than you would like expect. You know what I'm saying? There's kind of that like respect issue of like, okay, you're back here. I, you know, you must, kind of have that uh know what you're doing type of ordeal or you're out there putting in the work and the time and the effort where you kind of respect that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, let's talk about last thing before we get off self-filming. What in the world makes <laughs> us want to do this? Are you doing it again this year? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> That's uh, honestly, dude, it, it's a personal goal of mine. I, I, I still have everything. I've tried selling things just to, you know, get it off my hands and maybe not think about it. But I said, screw right. it. If, you know, if we're trying to do antler up and we want to make some cool content, we got to have something. And uh, I really want right. to make it an effort. I really do. So I have personal goals this year to really put forth an effort and not just like in the heat of the moment, just say, screw it. You know what I mean? That's Cause that's what I've done. Like last year it was like, Oh, should I do it? No, forget it. Just let's shoot this deer. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. well, well this conversation would probably be a little bit different, like a month, like a month into hunting season. Yeah. But, but as of now, <laughs> the reasons why I'm going to, uh, why I'm going to try to film most of my hunts is, is uh, just sharing those memories, man. And, and actually like going back, and um reliving them a little bit i mean you learn from them a lot too but um like i was just editing some some content content the other day from uh last october hunt and um it was just it was it was awesome hunt i didn't kill a deer but it was freaking awesome on just a just a monarch of a deer and um and there was like so many little tidbits about that story that i forgot that i was like this is, this is so awesome that I have this on video watching this deer again. It's like, it's, 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 it's almost the same as like when you get a big buck mount that you see it on your wall and you can kind of sit there and like, okay, yep. That was, that was that day. That was all like, you can remember it all, but video it's, 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 it's almost even better than that. So I don't know. I'm definitely, definitely not a great content creator. So I'm doing it more for myself and and my family and my friends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh and it's it's pretty fun editing too it's just time consuming oh, you know time. but creating something i mean thank god just made us to create so creating something is just it's fun man it, it, you feel you like when i get done a video or even just working on a video it's just it's a good feeling you know yeah. what is something that you could kind of maybe give to either I honestly, let's just say someone that's looking to get into it or maybe to take the next step, like what is some type of advice that you could give or even give myself, like what, 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 you know, what, what are you telling someone? So geez, dude, to be honest with you, it's going right back to, to the conversation we had about getting familiar with your setup. And, and the reason I kind of laugh at this is because I'm guilty of not doing this right now. I should be because that's what I probably am less familiar, uh, at least familiar with is like setting up that camera arm, pulling, pulling your crap out of your bag, putting that, that shotgun mic on it. The more 
familiar you get with that, the, the easier it's going to be. I mean, how many times, if you're anything like me, you get to your stand and you're like, took me longer to get in here. I don't got time to set up this camera. Like it's, it's getting light out. I don't want to screw it up. And then the camera just sits in your bag all day. So you hauled 10 pounds more worth of gear in just to do nothing. And then you're right. pissed off at the end of the day because you didn't even use it, you know? Um, so streamline your, streamline your gear and, um, and get familiar with setting that, that camera arm up at what level it needs to be at. And, um, and, uh, just where everything goes in your pack, you know, okay, my camera's going to come out first, then my microphone, you know, so don't, don't put it in your pack opposite. So, you know, but you don't need good, good, high expensive equipment, get a GoPro for some B-roll and a point of point of view, uh, second angle cam and just get a cheap camcorder. You know, you could spend be anywhere between two and 500 bucks on a camcorder. Um, and that's pretty much all you need. You don't even need a shotgun mic, you know, yep. but that's just a little bit better for wind and stuff like that. But like yeah, it. what about you, man? Honestly, I, I would say too, is kind of know why you're doing it. Like I said, for, for me now, it's solely part of it is I would say it's 50, 50, 50, 50, the first 50% being to enjoy it myself having that same feel that you have just because I think back to obviously I didn't have the opportunity to set up the camera when I shot my buck two years ago, but like last year with the two doe, I had every opportunity to film it, but I just, in the heat of the moment was like, let's just do this. Let's just take care of businesses, put meat in the freezer. You know what I mean? So I, I, I would love to relive those moments because they're two really cool situations. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they're doe shots, but at the same time, they were cool hunts. So I think to relive that. And the other 50% is wanting to share it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like for, for me personally, but then for other individuals as well to help build our content and all that type of stuff. So, and I would like to kind of film and it's going to be harder this year because man, we had more time last year and we said we wanted to do it more, but I would love to film Dimitri more. I would love yeah. to, to do that type of hunt where we could really put together a story just because yeah. then I'm only there to film him. I'm not worrying about, you know, do I have my bow Do you know, doing all that type of stuff. So I don't know. I think it will be interesting. And, but again, I, I want to make it a, a point this year where if I have the shot opportunity, I'm going to film it and, do my best. And then, you know, here's another point of a uh, piece of advice for someone starting out too, is if you can't get it all on film, like don't kill yourself. Like, yeah. like, like if you think you'll, you'll spook the animal by moving that camera onto him, like, dude, just shoot the animal. Like yeah. there's pl as long as you got some footage before and after, like, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a bummer when you don't get that kill shot on film. But if you get the recovery on film, like that, that's just as exciting. You exactly. Know? So, so, you know, I've definitely screwed up on a lot of deer because of that, you know, just trying to, trying to get the camera just right and stuff like that. But it's almost like another notch in your belt when you like, you know, almost like, okay, I shoot shot some of the crossbow, I shot some of the compound, but I shot some of the trad bow. Now it's like, okay, I'm going to lower my standards a little bit because I'm self-filming. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I would say too, uh, kind of exactly what you said, Echo, like you do not need to buy the highest end gear possible just because, you know, you're not doing, you're not making money to go on whatever. I mean, I don't know what who goes on TV anymore, but like doing that type of stuff, you know what I mean? Like you're just, depends on what your goals are, you know? Right. 
Right, exactly. So have fun. That's the first and foremost thing. Have fun doing it. If it's a chore, if it's a hassle, then don't do it. Sell your st- stuff and get your money back. It's always super cool when you do see something, um, you know, uh, you know, you see a bear in an area. You don't usually see bear. You get that on film. You, you see, you know, an awesome buck. You know, that one buck that I, that I just posted the other day, if I didn't have that on film, I personally would have forgot how big it was. Yeah. And like, I, like I would have told my buddies that day or that night, like, dude, I saw a freaking good one, you know, yeah. but like by now that would have fizzled out, like looking back at that, like, it's so cool to be able to just look back at that and be like, dude, that thing was a stud, you know, yeah. and just gives you a little bit more motivation to, um, to honestly, it gives you more motivation to film again this year. And, um, also gives you, you know, some insight on, oh yeah, I should probably hit that, that, that spot this time of year again, you know? Right. Exactly. Well, you talked a little bit about what you got going on this year for Ohio and that type of stuff. What else is in store for this year? Um, I'm, I've been scouting some public, um, somewhat local to us, some big woods country. Um, so there's, there's a parcel I've been, I was hunting last year, uh, and I'm scouting another place uh, close by there pretty heavily as well. So I got, I got some trail cameras out, some cell cams out right now. We're picking up some pretty, pretty decent bucks right now. So that's always gets the, the motor running, but uh, still before season, I still would like to check out a few more local spots. Cause um, kind of like going back to what I said, I, I just don't enjoy hunting that public land as, or private land as much. Yeah. So I'd like to find some, some public closer and uh, maybe get some does killed on some public land, like that's within a half hour drive of my house or something yeah. like that. Sweet, man. Good deal. I appreciate you coming on, man. That was a fun conversation. I like it. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. Where uh, where could people find you and, and learn more about what you have going on? Because it's cool. I, I love what you're doing and, and you know, I encourage yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, if anyone If anyone is interested, I mean, I don't know how entertained you'll be by my content or by what I post, but it's just uh, Dietrich's Outfitters, uh, D-T-R-X underscore Outfitters. Um, just stands for my last name and and just kind of the little bow shop I have and just some of my hunting journeys and stuff like that. Yeah. Check it out, people. Good stuff. Troy's a good guy, and I like talking to him, and I like selling him some of my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, everybody. Go check him out. Good person. Till next time, Antler up. Antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. I want to thank you so much for checking us out. And be sure to head over to antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube. And make sure to send us a message. Get on our Vortex Nation highlight This week, we had AJ Iquinta from Knights of the Apex. Thanks for sharing that information with us, AJ. If you're interested, just send me a message, and we'll get it taken care of. Again, everybody, enjoy some time with your family. Get ready for the upcoming season. Till next time, Antler up.